The True Tone Lounge podcast features audio-only versions of our video interviews. To view those, please visit truetonelounge.com or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash truetonefx. Let's let's talk gear. So you've got this less. Tell us a bit about this Les Paul. Yeah, this this kind of has become one of my. It's funny. I don't play it on the road at all, at all, other than the Gene stuff. But it's kind of become my main guitar, or I've been known for this guitar regardless. I mean, I use it on all my personal stuff, rock stuff, and that band with Oddly. I I feel like every time I show up with this Les Paul, they're like, okay, good, he brought it. I think I'm known as the Les Paul guy with this guitar, but. There, um, this is one of those 59, you know, historic uh, collector's choice. You can see by this ugly red dot here that it's the Ed King model. Okay. Not bought because it's the Ed King model. No offense, I you know, love all those classic Skinner tracks. Working for MCA is awesome. Mm -hmm. But uh, there is a particular 59 burst historic that has been in my periphery for years. Um, a friend owned it. A guy, uh, Jeffson, did read, reshaped the neck. A, a buddy had owned it, and then one of my best friends, Jay Bask, another guitar tech, he bought it, and it's been one of those ones that I it was like a holy grail. And I felt it. I was like, it's like that's got to be my guitar. I love it so much. And Jay lent it to me. Like I played it with Gretchen Wilson a bunch, and I've used it on tons of tracks and stuff. And so we had a benchmark. And luckily, going up around, you know people that I've grown up around, I've gotten to play a lot, and grew between that and knowing people at Gruen, Keith at Gruen and stuff, I've played a lot of, you know, old bursts, and so I feel like I know what it takes to make a good Les Paul, at least for my, what I like, and, um, but this one guitar, this 159 Historic, it just, it always was the one, and we just, Jay and I kept hunting and hunting, like, what well, he was like, I'm not going to sell you the guitar, you can use it whenever you want, but I can't sell it to you, so I'd track with it, I'd play it on shows, and, but for years, we probably went through, you know, they make consistently great guitars now to the custom shop, but, you know, they're just, the one that didn't find one spoke to me like that one. I bought a few. I mean, I was buying them and selling them. On top of that, we probably played 40 over the, over the course of two years. And then one day, we walked into Carter Vintage Guitars, not long after they opened. And I was like, we looked at this guitar, and I went, well, that is ugly. I hated that. I still hate that dot. But uh, we played it, and like, you know, I don't ever play guitars in the store because that's all afterthought. That's what you're wanting, you know? That kind of thing. And we just went, Jay goes, I think that's it. And I went, I think it is too. How do I, how do I afford this? So then, like, it was selling the other historics that I had. And, you know, I had some other 70s customs that had to go. But um, so this guitar is in its stock form except for the Tom Holmes pickups. I mean, stock everything. You know, even Sin was talking, he's like, he hadn't even done the nut or any, I mean, it literally came, you know, seems like in the, the, all the other ones I've had to change pots or done 50s wiring to them or any of that stuff. But this was literally put the Holmes in and call it. 
And every time I think about changing it, I'm like, wait, it's perfect. Why would I? So I have just, you know, deal with the dot. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, the Holmes pickups, which are my favorite humbuckings, uh, which unfortunately are, you know, not the cheapest ones out there, but they sound killer. And I kind of like what they do. I mean, I have a few guitars with old patent numbers and PAFs, some vintage guitars I've had stored away. And I still like what the, the Holmes are, you know, some people, some people's pickups may do more of the PAF certain things in the homes, but the home sound always beats the, like I want the home sound more than anything. So this what, guitar and the homes do pretty yeah. much everything. What is it about the homes? There's a, there's like, the top end is really like nice. And there's, there's top end, it's not, they're not dark, but there's a punchiness to them that, there's like a punchiness and a depth to them that even like people that are doing like exact accurate PAFs, they may get the reedy double note top end a little more like a PAF, but there's like a punchy muscle that the Holmes has that they don't. And then if they do, if you get other ones and it's like a overwound, you know, it's still not more, there's still not, that. there's still a depth and clarity and punch. It's just, that's it. Clarity, depth, and punch all together. And I can't figure out how he does it. Do you but, get them wax, wax potted or not? These are potted. Um, I wish they weren't. I like the unpotted better. These actually came... I didn't want to wait in line for the homes because, you know, there's like an eight-month wait, or there was. Uh, so these came off of Craigslist, and they were potted. It's the only thing I wish they weren't. The other Paul, the one that Jay has that I still love, those are unpotted, and they just have a little more open detail on the top end. But, um, and I actually, just for pure nerdy shits and giggles, I, on the Gene gig, I put double cream pickups in this for the Ace-approved. Uh, which were aux fours, which do a great PAF thing, but um, and those were unpotted in front of full, full blast, you know, JC made hundred hundred watt Marshall stacks and no squealing. So I think the potting is. I don't think the potting is necessary. No, I, I haven't found it to be unless I'm standing right in front of the amp or something. But I mean, we're playing, you know, like I said, full hundred watt Marshall stacks with unpotted, uncovered pickups and no problems. So, so um, yeah, these are potted. But yeah, the Holmes. There's great stuff out there. I use a lot of Lawler pickups too, um, and other guitars. But these, you know, no endorsement or anything. I just got fat, love them. Found them on Craigslist and put them in, and that's it. No, I mean, nothing else has been touched. <laughs> Tell us about this nacho guitar. Yeah, this is kind of the new newbie to the bunch. I've only had this, I got it Thanksgiving, the day before Thanksgiving or something. Um, I, uh, Arlen Roth and my dad were doing a record together, or doing a track on a record. And Arlen, you know, famously has had and has old tellies. And I was, my buddy Jay and I were hanging out in the studio and I asked Arlen, I was like, is that that 53 of yours? He had it laying on the ground and it sounded, we were in the control room while they were tracking, it sounded huge. It sounded perfect, playing this into a deluxe reverb, a nacho and a deluxe reverb, and I just went, is that one of your 53s? And it, it didn't look completely like, you know, it'll fool you from a few feet away. If you really want to nerd out, you could point out some things. But he said, no, that's a nacho. And I went, nacho, you mean the Blackguard book guy? And he goes, yeah, he, he's doing guitars. Long story short, he gave me his email and we became, you know, pen pals. And uh, we talked for months and I finally was like, you know, you should send one over to check out. 
and uh, my dad was hot on him too. And I said, send one over to check out. And he sent this one. And I just went, well, I guess I gotta keep that. <laughs> so I wired him the money and that was it. Um, I've been playing it's a couple tellies made by Jeff Sin, telly style guitars. I think he calls them Pomona's, made by Sin, who's one of my dearest friends in the world and he makes great guitars and does all the work on all my stuff and for my dad as well. But he, um, I just wanted, a, you know, his guitars, I had some custom colors. I have a Sonic Blue. That's actually the one I use on the road. But this one, I just wanted a, the Blackguard thing. And Arlen's guitar sounded so good. And who knows Blackguard's better than the guy that wrote the book literally on him and has every spec of all the, you know, every guitar in that book. And it came in and it, it blew me away. It needed a little adjustment. It came from Spain and it had some things that weren't the way I like guitars to be. So I had to, you know, it needed, it needed some work. It wasn't out of the gate. It wasn't out of the gate to a gig or a session, but it had a, it just had something that was more like a Blackguard than my other tellies. My other tellies, maybe the Sins were a little more for the 60s sound, Bakersfield, bright switch up thing. Mm -hmm. But this has more of a, the Blackguard thing. And I know it's, people would be thinking it's psychosomatic or you're seeing the Blackguard, but you know, I've, there's a, I've got a handful that I could reach pretty easily in my little circle, and these feel, it feel the neck feels like if I close my eyes, my dad has one of his favorites is a actual, like a March 51 no-caster. And this isn't the same neck shape, but if I close my eyes, I'm, I go, am I holding that guitar? Like, it's got the same feel, and, and the, it reacts the same. And so it's kind of been... It's kind of been blowing me away, and really everybody that's heard it's like, can you can you give me his email? Kind of that thing. It's happened. And people, especially plugged it in, are AB guitars, and it's sort of been, it's it's new. I haven't really used it on anything yet, but it's been my couch guitar for the last few months, and it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty magnificent. So you said it reacts different than your other telly. So what would you? You know, being someone that has had the chance to play a number of black guards, mm -hmm. what what is the difference between what is the black guard thing? Well, everybody hears things differently. Yeah. The way I hear it, what, again, a lot of the stuff I've learned about gear and guitars over the years, more guitars than gear, but is from Jeff Sin, and he always had this trick where he turned the tone knob back about there, you know, kind of seven or eight. We talked about that earlier. Uh, and then later, he's told me that you know. When I was, you know, I've known him since I was in that, you know, van and trailer band, we call it. So I was hanging around his house in 2003 and just have him and tell me I'd pick up anything I could. And that was one of the things. And then later read an article where Vince Gill, you know, one of the best, you know, telly players, one of my favorites. He always talked about, I think he said Don Rich told him to do the thing, to turn it back like that. Which is funny because I never hear Don Rich's tone sound that rolled back. But, yeah. Um, I it was, uh, it was Roy Nichols. It was it Roy Nichols? Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. There so, you go. I mixed yeah. it up. No, no. And um, both fine players. Both very fine players. But yeah. uh, see, I can't retain everything I read in a magazine. <laughs> I'm going to go to my stacks later and start pulling. I still have thousands of those guitar magazines. Uh, um, but this, so I always called it like the Vince top end. There's like a thing where it's not dark, but it doesn't slice. And this, and I would kind of get close depending on your tone cap and pot with doing the sin, the trick that sin taught me. Uh, Sin's guitars have a little extra brightness built in so you can go a little more 60s and stuff. But this guitar had it out of the gate, even before I had it really where it was able to play a gig. It came with the non-intonated saddles and it needed some fret work and stuff. But 
This guitar had the what I call the Vince top end with both knobs all the way up out of the gate. And so that's when I immediately was like, who made these pickups? I, got a, I was trying to dig into who made them. Turned out it was your buddy Ron Ellis. Hmm. So I've been talking with him about these pickups lately. He's a super cool guy. But um, that's, that thing to me is it has, it's a, little, it's a little hairier. It's like the bright switch is off the blackface amp. It's a little hairier. And then it's bright, but it's not bright, but it's not dark. That's that's my uh, super technical way of describing what I what I want a blackguard to be, and you know, there, and uh, the of the ones I could pull through out of my dad's you know guitar closet. There are brighter ones and stuff, but there's just something about them that they never have the brightness of a '60s guitar. Let alone the later ones with the one meg pots and all that. Those are yeah, those, those will hurt you. I, yeah, I think always the battle for for many you know tele players is to find that that bridge pickup that has clarity. But the the highs don't hurt you. That's and where that's, this one had that to yeah, me. Yeah. Um, it interestingly enough got a little brighter when we changed the cha tweaked the guitar. It's still better than the the other ones that I had in that regard. But the um, I did end up having to put the brass original brass saddle back on these two. Um, it was just it, it went a little too far away from what it had. But I think it's you know kind of that thing people talk about the brass saddle tone versus like the later steel. You know, saddles, I think that's a lot of that sound is that older brass sound. Yeah. But yeah, there's just a top end that's not it's not a not bright, but it's still clear and not dark. Yeah. So that's that's that. Okay, let let's let's take a look at this uh this real old one. Oh yeah. Yeah, we do I, I do try to bring the real guitars when I can. Some of them I leave at my dad's. Like I've got some old SGs and some I got a 64 like the what I call the Clapton 335 the 64 block neck stop nice. tail and I used it on stuff I just traveling a lot I don't usually keep it, stuff at my house and I have a locker at Soundcheck but um, since 2010 if it doesn't fit on the shelf it doesn't go in there so uh, because we, of the great flood the great flood we lost a lot of vintage amps by me I mean we I mean me and a lot of people as yeah. <laughs> my locker. We were pulling my sludge out of my locker as they were pulling Vince's stuff out of his, and you know. What What did you lose in the flood? Oh man, it's too much to too much to say here. But I was storing a lot of vintage amps there, all great, insured, very great. You know, my yeah. mom always nagged me about you got to have the insurance on this stuff, and I, yeah. always, every time I had to update it, I was always like pulling my hair out. But the one time I needed it, it saved my butt more than I could ever describe. Yeah. I've handed that insurance agent number off to so many guitar players in the last seven years. Uh, I mean, mostly vintage Fender amps. I didn't have, I only lost one Marshall. I had a Marshalls were at my dad's studio. But I lost, you know, Blackface Deluxes, Brown Deluxes, Brown, what else? Super Reverbs, you know, black, uh, 68 Super Reverb, Brown, the cleanest Brown Deluxe that mankind ever saw mm -hmm. until it wasn't. Um, Black Deluxes, um, Princeton's, all mm. kinds of stuff. Well, that's a that's a lot to lose. Yeah, but what they did, but they were the insurance company gave me this check, like within a week. I know people. Derek Wells and I were talking. He was having trouble with his insurance of people like what he had gone through of like just a little bit of a hassle. They didn't want to come off their money, and it was a different type of policy than I had. And I was like, man, five days later, I had the direct deposit, and then my money guy accountant guy called me and was like, so you know you have to spend all this on gear or we have to pay taxes on it. And I went, <laughs> really? <laughs> oh. it was, and it was like, you know, 
It was like they the check. They actually they were so great to me that even the stuff on the shelf that didn't get wet, they were like, well, we in case it did, we need to go ahead and pay it because we're not going to pay. Like we're either going to write it now and then we're done with this. But you know, you get a check for, you know, whatever. It, I don't you know, it was yeah. a lot of money. I don't remember what yeah. it was. Yeah. And uh, and then the, and they said go buy gear with it. It was uh, it ended up nicely. So yeah. you know, that's where I'm like, okay, I'm going to store away vintage Marshalls and SGs and so anyway. That stuff stays there, hidden. This one I kind of keep with me. I probably should leave it with him. He loves this guitar too, my dad that is. But um, this was a 59 Strat, April 59, uh, maple board. I grew up playing this guitar. This was my uncle I spoke about earlier. This was his main guitar. Um, he collected old Strats and down the way, along the way would sell them off, buy and sell them. You know, the ones that my dad has mostly were his. And uh, he it got to where this is the only one he would never sell. He was born in 59, never, always wanted a maple 59, which, you know, you only have a few months in there to get that. And um, he bought this in 84 and played this on about a million gigs. I think, you know, literally a million. And uh, I would always sit at it, spend the summers, uh, even up on the road. Like, when I got my first good guitar, I was like, I wanted a Strat because my uncle played a Strat, this guitar. But then I wanted a red one because my dad played a red guitar, so I kind of put it together. But um, this guitar, man, I, he showed me how to play lights on this guitar. I mean, how cool are you when you're 12 years old and you're playing Neil Sean licks, you know? Or whatever it is, you know? Um, and so uh, it's mostly original. The pit guard is not original. I have the pit guard, but it's, it's in about four pieces. And it's got a five-way switch. Everything else, and the frets have been, it's been refretted. Everything else is stock original and it sounds awesome. It's re really weak pickups, really like the weakest strat that I have and that, you know, some of the weakest ones out there, but it sounds so good. It just, it always wins. It's got the best, you know, Knopfler. Those weak pickups are killer for the, the Knopfler out of phase thing. But yeah, this guitar, I grew up playing this, you know, at my uncle's house. I would spend like summers with him and he had like a, it was this guitar and he had a Blonde Showman 61 with the tone ring 115. I would sit there and, you know, and a tube driver, the Eric Johnson tube driver. And I would sit there, you know, for hours and play this and go, man, I want this guitar. And he always just, you know, he was cool, man. He, he turned me on to a lot of records, Eric Johnson and, you know, the White Snake 87 record I heard for his house the first time, which blew my brain out too. And, uh, but he was like, someday, I'll, you know, that'll be your guitar. And first of all, I always thought, well, I don't want that day to come, really. But um, he's still with us. He's still around. He just called me up one day and said, hey, today's the day. So uh, I got the guitar, and I still get to see him. So couldn't, uh, couldn't have, couldn't have uh, asked for more. <laughs> so he literally just one day, he still plays with my dad when he does the Opry or something. He said, I'm coming down to do the Opry, which is like an exit down from my house. He goes, I want to bring the Strat. He goes, you should just take it. And I thought, he, he lives in rural Kentucky. Like, there's nobody there that works on guitars. I thought, what do you need done to it? I'll tell Jeff what is something broken. He goes, no, no, just take it. And I thought, no, but what do you want? Like, what is, yeah. you know, what's, does it need me to restring it or something? He yeah. said, nah. He goes, I think it's the time. He goes, I don't play it much anymore. So there it is. Now, you, you had mentioned earlier there was a little uh, Steve Ray Vaughan connection on this. Yeah, this guitar came from Heart of Texas music. Famously, yeah. you know, Ray and Steve Hennig store that's no longer there. Steve Hennig, Steve, from Steve's Boogie off of uh, Avia Musicom. Eric Johnson. Uh, yeah, Eric Johnson, who was a huge influence on me growing up via the Hot Licks video. I oh, watched yes. that video every day for years. Cannot play any of it. But um, 
my uncle always, he was collecting guitars. He was, whenever he was in town, he'd buy strats from George Gruen. Always ended up being Rosewood Board, you know. But they were cool. Two-tone, you know, or like faded red, you know, like 60, that one of my dad's I was talking about. Just candy apple reds, you know, all kinds of things. 54, he had, a, you know, first year strats and stuff. But he always wanted the 59 maple. It was like the holy grail one. And Heart of Texas, you know, he went in Heart of Texas in 84. And they had this there and he didn't have the bread for all of it. So he put, put a layaway payment down. And then uh, the legend has it. I haven't talked to Steve Hennig about this because um, I haven't seen him in a while. But um, legend has it that SRV was in there. And this could have just been like every guitar player in Texas. Somebody was the same story. Yeah. But uh, like, oh, I want this guitar. And sorry, you know, some dude from Kentucky has $100 on it. You can't have it. <laughs> and so... Um, and then he got it out of uh, he got it out of layaway whenever the next time he was in Austin and never played another Strat. Like it basically, as soon as he started playing this guitar, he just started selling the other ones. And so, um, wow. and even my dad, like who has had other old Strats, when he would cut records, he would ask my uncle to come bring this guitar. And he's got a bunch of his songs that you know, '80s country fans would know that have this guitar on it, just because he always liked this one. So. It's been on a lot of things, and I've used it on a ton of stuff. I bring it everywhere I go. I was doing some stuff out at the, um, up in Hendersonville, Johnny Cash's cabin, and it's the only guitar I brought, only guitar that made it in the building. You know, and of course they have killer guitars there too, I'm sure you've heard. But this was, they, I wanted a Strat and this is it. It's like, well, we're gonna beat, bring the beat up noisy one. And so that's what it is. It works. Yeah. Tell us about this Supro guitar. Supro Ozark. Honestly, I don't know the year. I feel like it's a 59, 60, something like that. I need to talk to Jeff Sen about that because he knows these guitars. But I just had to have the Joe Perry Supro. Okay, this so, is, so why is it the Joe Perry Supro? Well, all those records that, you know, some people, you know, everybody has their own favorite era of Aerosmith. But in the late 80s, 90s, when he they were on, when I was seeing MTV for the first time, and seeing those videos, that music spoke to me so big. Because I was already into rock stuff, but, you know, it's like, these dudes are on the TV doing it. Um, and they were on SNL, it appeared to be like every other week. Yeah. You know, it seemed anyway, at least on reruns. But um, there's a movie, Making of Pump, where they were making that rec, the classic pump record. And Joe Perry, like, every time he's playing slide or noodling around the corner while Steven's doing something, it's always on a sunburst version of this. And then um, I later saw him with the double pinstripe one like this. Much better shape, of course. But, you know, being a huge Aerosmith fan and Joe Perry fan, and Whitford, both those guys are yeah. as cool as it gets. And, um, and a big slide guy. I'd have just been playing slide on Strats and Les Pauls, but I was like, I'm going to get into some other things. So about, I think, nine or ten years ago, I bought this guitar from Rock and Roll Vintage in Chicago. Sight unseen, I just saw it on the line and went, that's the Joe Perry guitar, gotta have it. So I, you know, I think I, you know, called him over the phone with my card number and it showed up. 
And I love Rykuder and all those other great slide players. I've been playing, you know, slide since, again, my mom bought me that slide and the Almond Brothers thing. But um, this is that pickup that a lot of people have, you know, Lawler makes a killer version of it. I have it in another guitar, a Strat. But a lot of people take these out and do the Rye thing with the gold foil, Cooter caster deal. And it's great. These pickups are great for that, you know, more, it seems like guys tend to play more of like a sullen, pretty style with that. This pickup and this guitar, with this weird little short scale guitar, is just, I call it the attitude guitar. It's just, it's not really pretty. I'm not going to do delicate rye stuff with it. I love doing that stuff, and I love that playing. But this is not Paris, Texas. This is Ragdoll, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. This is yeah. full, this is Marshall, Supro, you know, open A tuning. <laughs> Just it's just a it's just the rock and roll attitude guitar, so this comes to with me everywhere, on the not the road but this is a I don't go in the studio without this because inevitably this and I have a little Supro combo that is the best slide amp ever and these two things together and some like a EP3 slap back I can get as close as I could get to the Joe Perry attitude, <laughs> so that's why I have this guitar, it's. It probably needs to be, it's it's actually in not great shape. I noticed the nuts kind of out of whack and it's got weird, you know, gigantic frets. It's hard to play slide on because somebody put like Stevie Ray Vaughan frets on it. But just kind of fight it and, you know, love the pinstripes. Yeah. You know. That's that rock yeah. and roll slide guitar. And what uh, what kind of st- strings and such do you use? Um, you know, I do. I have been notorious for changing around things a lot, but as far as strings, that's like the only thing that I'm even picks I'm all the time. I'm like I'm into these Dunlop prime tones. Okay, they're killer. I love the way they sound. They feel great. But then I'll be back to a Tortex, or I, for years because of the Jimmy Page thing, the Herco seventy fives. And now they actually do the Jimmy Page mold, so I mm-hmm. do use those a lot still. But I'm all over the place, Fender Fender mediums, sometimes I'm back to that. But with strings, it's D'Addario. I've, d- I've used other things in the past, but um, Tom Spaulding over D'Addario, who was a, a friend before, way before he worked there, I was actually using other strings, not because, really for no other reason, I just wasn't thinking about it. And then when Tom was there, I was like, well, I love Tom, he, he and I, he was, was my guitar tech for all with Leanne Rhymes and we would always hang out and on the road, you know, he'd always show me some chord I'd never heard of, because he knows every chord. He can he knows he's like the Beatles songbook, he knows all the chords. But um the Diodarios, they make a string for everything. I have way less, I have zero breakage. I don't I'm easy on strings. I play hard, 
but I don't sweat. I don't have the grime. I could keep a set. This, these strings on this guitar have probably been on here for two or three years. You know, I, I just, um, I don't blow through them. And then with Diodarios, and now they have these new NYXLs, they're, which I specifically use those on the Gene gig so I could just play the one guitar and, knew, and know that they wouldn't break. But I've never had breakage and no issue. That's my, you know, I don't even think twice. It's Diodario, everything. And plus, I go by Tom's office and he always has some bootleg. I mean, me being like the Van Halen aficionado in my brain, and he's like, he's got a bootleg of a 78 show the other day that I never heard. So, on top of being the best strings, Tom is always like, have you heard the multi tracks of, you know, the Boston record? And he's got all this like crazy stuff that I can't go in the office without getting mind blown, you know, of some, you know, obscure, uh, you know, B-side or something, you know. So, yeah, D'Addario strings, Dunlop picks, and I used Dunlop slides on the road. This is a, what is that called? I buy these at Gruen, Silica Sound. It's very pretty. I love these slides. You can feel it. Your finger, there's, it catches your finger on the inside. Mm -hmm. I love those. But, you know, I, I play the Dunlops on the road, the 215 glass and then the brass for the typically for the attitude joe perry stuff he's a metal slide guy so i would do that but um but yeah the dunlop slides and picks and uh i've actually been using the diodario those planet waves cables i was in you know years ago i, I learned you know kai kennedy showed me how to make guitar cables and i was like i'm gonna make my own i'm gonna buy the stuff and randolph and rice and i've made them forever and i was like you know what, these Diodario ones sound every bit as good and I don't have to sit in there and smell the solder all day and I use those. The Planet Waves Stage Pro or American Pro, something like that. Yeah. But that's basically it. Dunlop yeah. stuff and Diodario strings and, yeah. and slides. And uh, today you've got a, a Lazy J amp. <laughs> yeah, I brought it down. Uh, it's not mine. Uh, people, I, it's kind of, I'm kind of, it's kind of been cracking me up because I don't have like I've kind of like, I have more amps than guitars. I have a, just a mountain of amps. And like, they're in different, you know, I've got some in my dad's studio, some in my locker. But I don't have anything at my house. Uh, except, uh, so, I borrowed this Lazy J. I was talking about this amp with Tom Bukovac the other day. And uh, I had actually sold my Tweed to Luck. You know, a few of the Tweeds that I've had over the years I got rid of. For the reason why a lot of people don't dig them, they get mushy in their distortion boxes. And uh, Tom was like, this Lazy J does, like, the dude's got it to where it does stuff that you wish your deluxe did. So uh, my dear friend Jack Silverman, who's a great guitar player, um, who did a Monday night gig at the Family Wash forever, kind of a Schofield meets, Schofield meets the meters or something, I don't know. Uh, but a lovely human, lovely guitar player. And he has, he's the only guy that has as many amps as I do, I think. And so he was like, I've got a Lazy J, I don't play it, take it to the house. So it's, I brought this because this is what I had at the house, and I love it. I'm, I, I think I've got one in. I think I've got one on order now. I have to go back and look at my emails. But I love this amp, and um, it does everything that the Tweed Deluxes that I've had didn't do, and why I got rid of them. It can play with a band. It's not my uh, not my amp, but. Um, but you got one on order. I got one on order. I love it. Yeah. So. Um, you also have a, a Friedman amp. Yeah. Also oh. not mine. Well, we'll have you play play through that later. And yeah. Be able to see it. Well, you know, typically when people, I feel like when they think of me, they think of the Marshall thing because over the years I've gone through a bunch of them, and and scored some, for me, Holy Grail, you know, Holy Grail plexis and modded, you know, rare modded Marshalls, custom colors, stuff like that. We could do a whole episode on Marshalls. I, but we won't. Uh, but this Friedman, as in, I don't have anything at my house, like I said, uh, 
this Friedman was at my house as well. And uh, to my friend uh, Eric, who works at XTS, Exactone, who does actually a lot of the wiring and all this oh. stuff. That's his amp and his cabinet that I sold him, a little 112. But um, that amp does Marshall-y stuff reasonably volume. It's a 40-watt amp. It's got a master. It's called the Dirty Shirley. It's the only one that the Friedman, of the Friedman thing that's not like more compressed modern meets higher gain. Like it, those amps are a little more like 80s metal which I love, uh, but when you're doing the kind of stuff I do, it's, you kind of have to be able to roll it back to the 70s a little more. Mm -hmm. And that amp, the Shirley, to me, does. Like, Joe Perry plays those among a million other things. But when you wind it up, you can, you can hear that it's got more of that Perry 70s kind of thing, kind of up to Van Halen. And the other ones kind of start at ACDC and go up to modern, you know, super saturated. And Anyway... That was at the house, and the master probably has the best master volume I've ever seen on an amp. And not a weird power, it's just a, where it is in the circuit, I guess, it's just a master volume that just absolutely is the best. And so um, instead of going to my locker and snagging 100 watt Marshalls, and even my 50 watt, the redhead I was telling you about that I toured forever, I retired that because it's the only amp that made it out of the flood. And it was my holy, it was my baby. I, used, I prayed, I was like, if one amp in that locker is dry, if that one amp is dry, I will let everything go and I won't say anything about it. And it was the one thing that was dry. And so uh, that's a red 50 watt and I thought, you know, it's a custom color, it's rare. It's, people have tried to buy that amp for me for years, you know, and I'm like, it's the one. But it's still loud. So this thing I can kind of, when Eric lets me borrow it, I can kind of go somewhere and do a rehearsal or do a gig where I'm not blasting people's heads off with the 50 or those 100 watt plexis and stuff. So Friedman is cool for that, but again, not mine. Yeah. So now, out on the uh, out on the road, you know. Well, today you're not using any any kind of pedals or anything, but uh, no. out, out on the road, I'm guessing you know sometimes you have to use a pedal board or something like that. To, yeah, uh, I, I you know even though I do what I do, I still try to get the appropriate sounds. You know, I'm not going to show up with my Jose modded, you know, '73 Marshall for Gary Allen or for yeah. Jewel. You know, so um, I've gone through, you know. A serious pedal addiction. I've got bins and bins of them, and you know, it's it was it's a it's much. It's a little much, especially when I get into something and I really like, like when I got into the Green Nobles ten years ago, and I and I've started buying them. Of course, they're now going for people trying to get three hundred dollars for them or whatever it is. But I got you know six or eight of those and stashed them away. And then when I was doing with Leanne Rhymes, the Nobles. Worked great with my deluxe and the jewel gig. It didn't work with the Marshall rigs when I went back to the Marshall rigs. So for like a lead pedal, I was using the Mostortion, which Rob McNelly and Jeff Sin turned me on to. Bob Britt also famously sounds amazing with one of those. And uh, so same thing. I started spying those up. But I've I got everything. I got more. It's stupid. There's more, honestly, like waste time when I should be learning the gig, trying to figure out which pedals to pull out of the freaking bin to put on the board. Um, but with Gary, the last the last amp I've had on a truck has been the Matchless rig with the 412, and um, the Hot Cake and the Matchless. Something about those work really nice together. Yeah. So I'm using that. That's kind of my main, almost always on Hot Cake. I'm using one of those Mirage compressors that John talked about in his video. I got that, and it's I like it because it doesn't sound like a compressor because I can't play them. And uh, another thing that I've done for years, it's by no means original to me, but kind of become part of my thing was the, when not using a tape echo, using the memory man, the actual big guy. And uh, same thing, 10, 11 years ago, me and a buddy, 
uh, got really into those and, you know, started buying up Merry Man, Min, Mans, Merry Mans, whatever. Yeah. And uh, so that's kind of been my, honestly, go-to thing forever has been, you know, the Memory Man, you know, and then a few drive pedals. Boss EQ, only pedal I've had on a board since high school. Solo pedal, pretty much. And uh, that's those are the only mainstays. But I I do whatever the gig calls for. There's pretty pretty good bit of Leslie stuff on Gary's gig and Jules, so I do the Strymon Lex. I love that. But um, I can't... All my friends that know me really well laugh at me because I can't tap a delay pedal to save my life. I don't feel like I have bad rhythm, but they just don't... Every time I tap it, I just... Instead of getting it to where I want it, I just sit down and... So I don't tap stuff. I've never played a Strymon timeline or anything. I bring an M9 to sessions, but that's just when they call for it. I just still play the Memory Man or... Um, or tape units. Um, I wish I could be those guys that do all the stuff. That, XDS always does these things where they do like link delay pedals together where you tap one and they both go and all this stuff. And I'm like, that's cool. I can't do it. <laughs> so, you know, Memory Man, Tape Echoes, whatever. Marshall, Matchless, Guitars. Yeah, but yeah the Matchless and the Hot Cake. That's my tip. My buddy Ryan Bullington turned me on to that. He said, you need to play Hot Cake with a Matchless. And I went, Okay, whatever. So I'm buying another pedal, and it turned out to be that's like the sound I've used for the last two years with that Gary Allen thing, hot cake and a matchless. So, but I try not to get to yeah, and and then find out I forgot. One of the times I've every time Knopfler would come to town, I would sit front row as close to the front as possible at the Ryman, and one Shangri La tour maybe oh four or five, I looked and I saw he had one pedal and it was a hot cake. I went all right, I remember Knopfler had one, so I can have it too then. So. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for coming out and uh, being on the lounge. Yeah, thanks for letting me ramble on about. <laughs> let me get a better handshake than that. There we go. <laughs> thanks. I'll re you know, thanks for letting me ramble about gear and myself, which I feel awkward doing, but you know, I'm sure all my friends would say I do it all the time. <laughs> Very cool. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> This has been an audio presentation by TrueTone, TrueTone.com.